Welcome to another STEM Tea podcast. The title of today's podcast is Representation Matters, Dialects and Accents in the Workplace. This is a topic that affects numerous individuals in the workplace and academia. While it's great that there are US laws to protect individuals who speak standard American English with an accent or dialect, there's still a lot of pressure on non-native English speakers to abandon their roots and conform to a more standard way of speaking. This can be a really difficult experience and can make it hard for individuals to feel included and valued within their organization. In this podcast, we will explore the challenges and implications of this pressure that is placed on non-native professionals and students to abandon verbal traces of their dialects and have an open and honest conversation about how we can create more inclusive workspaces for all employees, regardless of their accent or dialect. So grab a cup of tea, settle in, and let's dive into this important conversation. Now let me introduce our panelists. We are joined today by a diverse group of individuals with unique experiences and perspectives on this topic. Our first panelist is Dr. Hayser Schuller. Dr. Schuller is not only a student advocate, a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, a STEM mentor, and an IO psychologist, but she is also a certified Lean Six Sigma Green Belt professional. Dr. Schuller has mentored more than 250 undergraduates, over 100 graduates and medical residents, and more than 750 middle and high school students in STEM education and DEI consulting. Currently, she serves as a member of the Winston-Salem Budget Committee, conducting studies and evaluating city services while implementing strategies to turn around underperforming departments. As a mentor, she enjoys watching marginalized students blossom into successful STEM leaders. She produces lasting results with students, colleagues, and clients due to her skills. Over 20 DEI articles have been published by Dr. Shula and her cohorts of junior STEM faculty and postdocs in the last two years. We also have with us Dr. Elsie Calderon Spencer. Dr. Spencer is an administrative director for the National Center for Children and Families and the Consortium for Policy Research in Education at Teachers College at Columbia University and a research fellow in Dr. Antara Hinton's laboratory at Vanderbilt University. A Cuban-American and native New Yorker, Dr. Calderon Spencer is a first-generation college graduate and received her EDD from the University of Pennsylvania in Higher Education Management and her MPA from the School of International and Public Affairs at Columbia University. Dr. Calderon Spencer's passion and expertise traverse higher education, specifically diversity and equity initiatives and promoting inclusion in academia. She is a powerful advocate for community initiatives and collaborations to improve the educational outcomes of undeserved populations, specifically BIPOC and faculty students. She sits on various subcommittees at Teachers College, Columbia University, that promote DEI programming and gauge the effectiveness of current policies and strategies affecting BIPOCs and institutional culture overall. Dr. Cordon Spencer has published articles on various DEI topics such as revitalizing STEM pipelines, postdoc and faculty recruitment in STEM fields, and the important role of mentoring in promoting DEI in STEM. She was listed in South's 100 Inspiring Hispanic Latin Ex Scientists in America and is known in her community as a key partner and thought leader for social justice initiatives. 
Dr. Codron Spencer continues to perform other outreach initiatives with various community members and anchor institutions throughout the higher education diaspora. We also have here with us Dr. Esteval Kudes. Dr. Kudas obtained his PhD in Sciences from the Federal University of the State of Rio de Janeiro. He was a visiting researcher at the Department of Human Physiology at the University of Iowa as part of the Sandwich Doctorate Program abroad for means of granting a scholarship from the Coordination for the Improvement of Higher Education Personnel. He obtained his Master's in Physical Education from the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro and a postgraduate in Strength Training from Gamma Philo University. He has a full degree in physical education from the Catholic University of Petropolis. He is currently a researcher at the Laboratory of Biosciences of Human Motricity, a collaborator of the research group on strength training at the School of Physical Education and Sports, and a researcher at the Laboratory of Sports and Exercise Sciences. Last but not least, we have Dr. Cicely Wilson. Dr. Wilson is an Associate Professor of Communication at Memphis College of Urban Theological Studies, at Union University in Memphis, Tennessee. For more than 20 years, she has taught communication to underrepresented students and adult learners. Her most recent research cast a spotlight on the lack of research that reflects students and scholars of color in the field of communication. Finally, my name is Ella Ajaysova. I am a third-year PhD candidate at the University of Rochester Medical School. I obtained my bachelor's degree at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, after which I moved to Arizona State University to complete an accelerated master's degree program in biomedical engineering as a MasterCard scholar. My current research focuses on using peptide fractionalized nanoparticles as a drug delivery system to improve musculoskeletal health in tissues like the tendon. And I am happy to serve as a moderator for today's session. So we are so grateful to have such a knowledgeable and diverse group of panelists joining us today, and I'm excited to hear their thoughts and insights on this important topic. So let's jump right in. One of the most pressing issues when it comes to accents and dialects in the workplace is the prevalence of language discrimination. While some people may argue that language discrimination is not a real issue, it's important to acknowledge the experiences of those who have faced this kind of discrimination firsthand. So Dr. Wilson, this question is for you. Do you believe that language discrimination is a real thing? And if so, have you seen it manifest in the workplace or in other contexts? Ella, it most certainly is a real thing. I have seen language discrimination in academia with international teaching uh, teaching assistants, non-native English speakers who work their way through graduate programs as teaching assistants often receive lower teaching evaluations than their counterparts. Those low teaching evaluations are then used to determine if assistantships will be renewed. And then when those graduate students go to apply for jobs, they often include their teaching evaluations in um, their packets, their application packets. And so they can be detrimental to a budding scholar's developing career. I've also witnessed this with a coworker in higher ed who... Uh, whose first language was not English, and she was a brilliant mathematician, but when students and faculty members complained about her accent, the administration did not support her, and she eventually left higher education and went on to coach an ethnically diverse high school competitive math team to win a national award. So the college and its students missed out on a gifted scholar because of their discriminatory behavior. This sounds like a dire problem that many non-native English professionals face. 
Dr. Spencer, in your opinion, how are non-native English speakers and those who speak English with accents coping with discrimination? It's a great question. Discrimination on the basis of accents or dialects can create a sense of isolation and exclusion in the workplace or in academia, as particularly for non-native English speakers. So we know that there are laws that do protect individuals against discrimination in general in the workplace, but navigating these laws can be complex and it can also be difficult. Thanks, Dr. Spencer. Dr. Schuler, what law specifically prohibits discrimination against non-speaking English persons who are applying for jobs? Another great question, Ellen. So let's unpack what the United States Department of Labor has to say about this. First, it is against federal law to discriminate against employees and job applicants who speak with accents other than English. When we studied Title VII Civil Rights Act of 1964, which was amended, and that amendment appears in Volume 42 of the United States Code, it prohibits discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, or national origin when we're talking about hiring, promoting, discharging, pay, French benefits, job training, and job classification referrals, and any other employment activities. Discrimination that is based on nationality, ethnicity, accent, or appearance, this constitutes national origin discrimination. Nonetheless, when we're talking about accent discrimination, this topic remains widespread in the United States workforce and especially in the area of academia. When we review the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is also known by its famous acronym EEOC, this allows employers, not employees, to determine if an accent will affect an employee's ability to communicate effectively in a way that allows them to fulfill their duties. Now we know when leaving this type of determination in the hands of employers, this is an opportunity for implicit biases in determining how successful an individual can be based on most importantly subjective perspectives and not on experience. Thank you for this information, Dr. Schiller. So we have just discussed the laws that are in place to protect individuals and professionals in the workplace from language discrimination. Dr. Wilson, in your opinion, what can employers also do to avoid discrimination of the language variety? Employers can create more welcoming and supportive environments for diverse individuals and allow leaders to utilize best practices to recruit, retain, and promote non-native English-speaking individuals in their organizations. More specifically, they can just adhere to the anti-discriminatory laws, such as the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which is a federal law. They can also require sensitivity, allyship, and inclusion training in the workplace so that individuals have a solid foundation and understanding of the historical underpinnings of diverse dialects and cultures. This will allow individuals to embrace diversity and celebrate traditions that are different from their own. Thank you, Dr. Wilson. 
While language discrimination is an important issue to discuss, it's also important to explore other challenges that non-native English speakers may face in the workplace. And one of such challenges is navigating American English grammar, which can be complex and difficult to master for those who did not grow up speaking the language. So I wanted to shift focus a bit and ask Dr. Scudes, why is American English grammar critical for non-native English speakers? Well, as we all know, American English grammar becomes critical for non-native English speakers when applying to U.S. colleges and universities. Uh, for instance, before admission, a non-native English speaker from countries where English is not the primary language must take a proficiency language test like the TOEFL. This serves to, to see the proficiency in reading, speaking, and writing English, right? So each university has its required minimum score uh, as the 120 points being the maximum score. Some universities put the cutoff score uh, on the range of the 90 points, right? So once admitted, uh, most US colleges and universities require students to take an oral communication or public speaking course. So I myself, know some genius levels researchers that barely made through this but fortunately they did thank you dr scudes thank you to all our panelists for your insightful and thought-provoking contributions to this conversation it's been an honor to have you on the podcast today and i hope our listeners have gained valuable insights from this conversation as well more information on dialects and accents in the workplace can be found in our pen and paper that will be published soon there, you will find more information, including specific ways that language discrimination affects professionals, laws that exist to protect professionals, and solutions that employers can take to create more inclusive and equitable workspaces. So now, since we're on a STEM tea podcast, what type of tea are we all having? Dr. Spencer, what are you having? So I'm drinking a tea from Tazo that has passion fruit and essence of citrus infused in it. I love this tea because it tastes great cold or hot, but it also has been helping me with clearing out my allergies. Oh, that sounds healthy. I should try it. Dr. Wilson, what are you having? I am sipping on some organic peppermint tea. It helps with um, my seasonal allergies and, you know, kind of soothes out digestive system. Mm, that sounds nice too. Dr. Scudes, what are you having? Well, I'm just having the classical black tea, you know, just the classical one. That's my favorite. Yeah, sometimes original is the best. Dr. Schuler, what are you having? Tonight, I am doing a combination of chai, black tea, and green tea, attempting to free my body of these free radicals and allergies tonight. <laughs> I love chai tea. Well, I'm also having the Ken Brulee Boba Tea. A friend of mine recommended it to me recently, so I'm trying it. And so far, I love it. So that's good. Thank you, everyone, again. You can find us on social media. Um, you can find us on Twitter, specifically. You can find Dr. Um, Schuler at P-Strengthing, which is P-S-T-R-E-N-G-T-H-E-N. You can find Dr. Spencer on Twitter at, at LC Cubana, E L. S-I-E-L-A-C-U-B-A-N-A. -E -A -A. You can find Dr. Scooters on Twitter at Dr. Scooters, which is 
D-R-S-C-U-D-E-S-E. You can also find Dr. Wilson on Twitter at C Wilson PhD, which is C W I L S O N PhD. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Isami, which is E-A-S-A underscore M-E. Again, thank you for joining and listening to this podcast.